episode 105 of the florida trail runners podcast and we are so close to the western states 100 you know this week this week is the western states 100 the 50th anniversary of the western states 100 and for this year we've got four runners from the state of florida heading out to the olympic valley so you've got joseph pinter from gainesville matt murphy from celebration tyler peterson from Satellite Beach and Zach Hanna from Orange Park. And speaking of Matt Murphy, he got into the Western States on June 10th. You know, that was only two weeks away, a two week notice before getting into this race. And with that, for the annual pre-Western States 100 chat with Mr. Western States, AJW, Andy Jones Wilkins, we've got Matt Murphy and his wife, Karen, on the chat to talk Western States, you know, his training, his race plans, and all of AJW's thoughts and insights on that. And let me tell you what, you know, it's always awesome to have AJW on the podcast. You know, this guy, he's on he's on tons of podcasts, Trail Runner Nation, his own podcast, Crack a Brew with AJW, his columns on I Run Far. This is the guy who gives a lot. You know, he lives and breathes this sport. So it's always amazing to have him on for this. And hey, you know what? With that, let's just jump right into this pre-Western States 100 chat with AJW Andy Jones Wilkins and Matt Murphy and his wife Karen. I got it. I got you, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, Joe, how are you? Man, I am good. I am good. But all, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. How are you guys? Well, I'm out of a, I work in district office. I'm, I'm a 10 month or so. I'm out of school now. So I, uh, yeah, it's almost worse when you're in taper, you know, you can't, you can't put the big miles in and you're not working. So yeah. it's good. You're able to rest and everything, but you're also out of your routine thinking too much. It's like, gosh, I'm just looking, looking at, uh, the map and everything way more than it's probably healthy. So <laughs> is Karen, are you there? Hey, I'm just getting my, uh, right speakers hooked up so I can hear you as well as you can hear me. Perfect. <laughs> Hey, Joseph, Karen's run, I think Karen's won your race before. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys. Hey, Karen. How you doing? It's AJ. Hey, AJW. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna come out and do a little pacing at Western States? Oh heck yeah! Like I mean, maybe maybe you'll be somewhere around Auburn next week. Perhaps. <laughs> I heard. Yeah, yeah I heard he kind of likes his race. 
<laughs> yeah, we're stoked. It's going to be awesome. That's great. Heck yeah. And, you know, obviously we should, you know, we should kick it off formally with some introductions. You know, what's that running history for y'all? And I guess, you know, for Karen, you know, I don't know, you know, what's that background? Oh, man, are we live? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I blame this guy right here. It's all his fault um, because I was not a runner and I didn't, I wasn't one of these people that ran in high school. In fact, I like have some stories about hiding behind softball backstops to avoid the, the run laps. Um, and then, yeah, Matt started to run races. And then the next thing we know, you know, when we were a bit younger, he, he ran a few ultras and, you know, we've been married a long time. I see him put his pants on one leg at a time. He's pretty mortal. He's a pretty good athlete, but I think it gave me some perspective that maybe this is something that you know you don't have to be an olympic level athlete to tackle so i at one point set a goal to just kind of run walk every day and then slowly he's really good at just kind of saying you know you could probably do pretty well if you just huh. trained a little for a half marathon and you know and then you do that and then it's like you know you you probably could be better at you know longer like maybe just a you know like one marathon just to see how you know so he's totally the gateway drug um <laughs> he, he just slowly started to chip away at like my fears and every time i would do a distance he'd say oh i think the next distance up would be like a really good one for you to try and <laughs> he plants those little seeds and then the next thing you know you're on ultra sign up so i, I blame him entirely <laughs> <laughs> well with mine it's uh i i was a, i was a basketball player in in high school in the first couple of years of college and i got into coaching a very, coaching basketball at a very young age right when i was done playing my sophomore year in college and you know it running well a couple of things happened i started gaining gain a few pounds and then i kind of no longer had that you know well i had the competitiveness with coaching did not it's not the same as when you were actually the one doing it um, so I just thought, yeah, I'll start running a little bit. And then of course the competitiveness comes in, you do a half and you do, I did Lake Tahoe marathon three straight years. And then I, I used to live, we used to live in Irvine, California is where we're from. Um, then I, my older brother was a, he's a cross country runner. He currently lives in Lake Tahoe. He actually uh, finished Western States in 01. Um, but yeah, he started to run these things called ultras. I think he, he showed up to Bishop High Sierra 50. I think he got second or third. And he's a different level than me. But I'm like, you know, I, I could probably do that too and just not run the whole thing. At the time, you know, you thought if you, it wasn't a real race if you don't run the whole thing, right? Um, so I showed up to this race. And AJW may have heard of it. My first ultra was Holcomb Valley in uh, 2001. And, uh, and completed that. And I was pretty darn young then. Completely went to Bishop High Sierra. Uh, ran that one, and then I was I became a college basketball coach. We had kids, and I took a long break on racing. And actually, was, I think it was a 12-year break. Um, then, lo and behold, we're in Florida, which is not known for its um, <laughs> for, for its mountains. Is because we, we lived in Irvine, we lived in Reno, and we lived in Portland, and we weren't running ultras except for those two instances all pretty good areas to run mountains of course we moved to florida and now we're we're in close grace and it 
engrossed in the ultra running community and a lot of that has to do with obviously the community that's here is fantastic even though you don't have the mountains yeah and speaking of 2001 ajw yeah that was the first time i ran western states yeah so our families cross over uh, a little bit yeah i ran i ran holcomb valley uh the first year it was it was organized in two in 1997 uh when i lived here in phoenix where i live now again and that's a great little race up there big bear lake well well for me i started um i started running ultras in 90 1992 uh, i was just a road runner uh and then i uh you know discovered the trails i lived in philadelphia at the time but when i moved out west to arizona in 96 there were the, the trail running out there was pretty well established back then there weren't there weren't very many races i think there were like five races in the whole year no hundreds but there was you know zane gray and crown king and south mountain and so i got in with the like the, these kind of old wrinkled up desert guys and started running with them and and then just kind of caught the bug so i realized that that the longer I went, the, the, I didn't have to run as fast. And I realized that, that success in 100 milers is more about who slows down the least than who can run the fastest. So, you know, I would, I would in, my, in my competitive years, I would routinely, you know, lose pretty badly in 50 milers and 100 Ks to the guys that I would end up beating in 100 milers. And I think it's just a matter of there's a, it's a whole new nutrition game in a hundred milers. It's a whole new pacing game. It's a whole new kind of uh, mental game of, of going past 12 hours. You know, even in some of my fastest Western States, I still had to run, you know, a a little bit into the night. And so that was, that was really a, a really good learning experience. So um, you know, from there, I just caught the Western States bug. I ran it for the first time in, in 2001 and then had a string. I took a couple of years away from it doing other hundreds. And then I had a string between 2004 and 2014 where I ran it every year. And then my last time running it was in 2014. But I've been going out, I go out there every year, you know, fly out from here on the East Coast and volunteer and cheer people on and announce for a few hours in the announcing booth and just take in the whole, the whole aura because it's, uh, I mean, uh, maybe I'm biased, but to me, it's the best weekend of the year and I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I got to ask you, Matt, when you got picked 48th on the wait list, did you think you would, did you, did, did you start planning like right then and there that you were going to run the race or? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I, I, we, we got picked on the wait list and it was, it was kind of an odd day. It was, it was my 49th birthday when the lottery happened. So it's like, this is my 50th trip around the sun and it's the 50th year of Western States. So I guess it's destiny. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when that, like, I thought it was 50-50 because the last two years, it looks like it, it went through number 48, but COVID also decimated the field. So I really, um, I thought it was 50-50. So it, right away, I'm like, I'm going to train for it, but I got to have something else because I'm not going to train for six months and not get in and then just kind of have all that fitness. So that's when um, I got in the Vermont 100 lottery, which is three weeks after Western States and actually got into that. 
Um, so that was, it, it was going to be one or the other. And right about training camp is when I think I was 11 or 12. I was actually when I saw you, AJW. I saw John Trent in one of the earlier aid stations. And he goes, oh, you're in. I see you. Yeah. He goes, you're in. I'm like, I guess I'm in. <laughs> so I, I think I think on the flight home, or I, I dropped out of uh, cause it was right before the partial refund day for Vermont. So I dropped out of that. I I, I certainly don't have the ability to run two one hundred and in three months, three weeks, especially ones of that difficulty. Yeah, I was gonna say like, how did you even figure out that you got in? Because I feel like you know people start messaging you like, hey, you got in, like oh, <laughs> before you even get an email. <laughs> Well, I, I probably checked it more times than I was healthy. <laughs> he at one uh, point asked how he could put a blocker on certain websites. Is, is the level the level of vigilance we had going on in the house? Yeah, so <laughs> I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Like I said, within I thought it would. I thought more people would drop on uh, June 10th. That's one of the refund dates, and really, I think only one or two did. Um, I was actually down in Fort Lauderdale with my daughter. We were watching Trevor Noah and we we're driving up and this very, you know, you guys know Florida, you have those turnpike turnoffs, right? Where you don't have to get off the freeway and we stop for lunch. And right then I'm like, you know, it's actually one of the longer gaps since I have not checked the wait list. So get on the wait list. <laughs> and I look like I'm on deck and then I go to my email and oh, okay, it's thoroughly inviting me. And of course I was very careful to make sure I did not press the wrong button and decline. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> there's part of it. I, 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 to be honest, there's a little bit of anticlimactic because it was almost like, yeah, you're dealing with six months of knowing you're probably going to get in. You get in, and okay, I kind of knew it happened. It, it's, uh, but I'm certainly not complaining. That's for sure. <laughs> How long were you waiting to get in? How many years has it been? Uh, I had six years in the lottery, but it had been eight years because the COVID year. Where no, where they didn't run it, and then the next year I actually uh, I dropped at Bighorn 100. Then I was going to go over to Havilland and try to get my ticket, and I uh, and so my year was done then. So fortunately, at that point, you didn't have to have consecutive years. Um, and then I then I ended up getting my ticket at uh, Longhaw for for the sixth year here. Dang, yeah, and AJW, you know, I kind of want to go back to that 2001, you know. You're there for the first time at Western States, you know, like what was it even like out there for the first time? I had, I had no clue what I was getting into. Uh, and <laughs> I had a lot of, I, I just kind of got a pacer. I got a pacer, you know, from asking around and <laughs> I, I mean, I ran fine to halfway and then my quads, my quads were trashed. And, uh, and then after the, after Forest Hill, I just all the rookie mistakes happened. I I was I had a luck pair of shorts um, that I just was like I I loved them, but old and ratty. And when um, when I was going across the river, like the 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 knot that they not off, but like they fell down, right? So I asked about <laughs> everything, and so got to the other side i mean i pulled him up underwater but i got to the other side and and i was like oh man i really got to tighten these things down tight and the string broke so <laughs> i ran I, I ran the last 20 miles basically holding my shorts up and then about mile 85 it started getting dark and i pulled out my flashlight we didn't have headlamps back then it was just a flashlight 
and my batteries ran out at like mile 90. And so I ran the last 10 miles with a pacer I didn't know, holding my shorts. <laughs> and and they the saw you came passed, come in the and they said, he's going to be the guy. Point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so needless to say, for, for the next two years, I was like, all right, I'm not going back to Western States till I figure out how to run these things. And, and then it was in those... In those two years, I ran Angeles, Creston, Vermont each year and really kind of dialed in how to run a hundred miler. Uh, and so then when I went back in 2004, it was like, okay, now now I know how to do these things. So it was definitely a learning experience. And, and of course, back then there was, there were no books about it. There were no coaches. There was no, you know, you just, you just had to kind of get whatever sort of wisdom you could get from, from the, from the community. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the big things too, because you know, you always hear about like, oh, you have to respect the course, you know, you have to respect the Western state. You know, what what does that actually mean? Well, I mean, there's I would say three things. First of all, it's got an incredible sort of history and mystique to it. You know, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Fenway Park or Churchill Downs or Augusta National. It's kind of like a, you know, or Wimbledon. It's sort of like a, you know, a, a special place. So it I think for certain people, you know, and they've, they've heard about it. They've heard all the names, you know, Devil's Thumb and Michigan Bluff and Rucky Chucky. And, and they have kind of a romantic allure about them. And, and so it can, be, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but you just have to kind of embrace it and, and respect it. So the, the history and mystique. The second part is that, you know, it's, it's hard. There's, there's, it's, you know, compared to other runs like Hard Rock and Wasatch, it's not it's not any more physically demanding. There's not as much vertical. There's not as much technicality, but it's like, it's like that special sauce of, you know, competition, hot and dry. And, and, and so it, it gets, it, it, it kind of gets on your, gets on your mind and you got to respect that too. You got to be, I think as prepared mentally for Western States as you do physically and then the third part about the respect the races uh, and respect the distance and respect the event is is for the vast majority of people these days they're getting like a once in a lifetime opportunity to run it right this year this year and the field's not totally set but approximately 87 percent of the people running this year are running it for the first time and of those probably 80 percent are it's going to be their only time and so when it comes to like training for it and going out to the training camp or, you know, like, like Matt did, like you want to, you want to make sure you've done all your homework, all your preparation, everything. So when everything converges on race day, the history, the mystique, the course, the conditions, uh, you're ready for it. I think that's, that's ultimately what I mean by respect the distance, you know, uh, you don't want to get out there and be unprepared and, you know, drop out at mile 30. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, like, that's a good point with, you know, just doing the homework. And Matt, because I know you went out to that training camp, you know, what's that like? You know, what's a training camp like? Hard. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was, it was, you know, in some ways it built some confidence. In some ways it was, it was a pretty good uh, eye opener. Going into the week, I, I, I didn't go in fresh. Um, I, I had a cold all week. Uh, we had my daughter, our daughter was graduating on Thursday. We had family coming in and out. I, I, I may have been over the cold by the time we got into Saturday, uh, on the first day, but I was still a little groggy. Um, 
that day, I mean, there was just like, I was forgetting things. <laughs> I texted, I texted Karen before. I'm like, oh, God, I'm forgetting things left and right. Good thing this is just a training camp. So I, I didn't go in fresh. So the fact that I got through it when I didn't, when I was not, you know, 100% did give me some confidence. There's no doubt. Um, that first day is very hard. Uh, you have the canyons. And um, I actually handled the descents and climbing respectably well. I mean, for as much as I can be expected to be based on the train I train on. Uh, the thing that actually surprised me that I learned, and that's one thing about these training camps, you kind of, they're, they're run through so you learn some things, figure out where you are. But in Florida, right, you could attest to this, Joseph, that we're, we rarely have to think about heat acclimatization. It just happens because we're always running in heat. And by the time we get to a race, usually in the summer, we're acclimated. Well, I've been hitting, we have a Nordtrack treadmill. It goes up 40% and down six. So I've been spending a lot of time on that because of the race I'm going into. Um, and it, it actually has not been as hot of a spring as I remember in previous years. So I actually, I, and I have a history of heat cramps when I'm not, uh, when I'm not acclimated, I'll get them in the ribs and the abdomen. And so I actually started to get those a little bit. I sort of think I'm like, you know, first off you had 11 miles between aid stations a couple of times. That doesn't help. You're not, I, I require a lot of water, but, uh, so that was kind of an eye opener for me that I was not acclimated. And it's easy to get arrogant living in Florida. You always think you're going to be acclimated. Um, so it was good. I came back and I actually put in a, a, a week long sauna protocol. Um, and then it's hot enough now. So I ran at 103 degree. It feels like 103 yesterday. So I'm good now. But it, up until this week, it was not as hot as previous years I remembered. So, uh, so that was day one. You know, and, and you're, I'm just sipping on Pedialyte in the hotel room that night. And Karen wasn't to come out, but again, we had a lot of things going on. And um, so it was just, just me. Uh, and day two, my brother who lives in Reno, not the one that went, ran Western States, a different brother. He came over, ran day two with me, and that was nice. And and that was, yeah, you're going straight downhill from Forest Hill. So you got sore quads and you start the day going straight down. Uh, and then – Day three was interesting. It was just your everybody's hobbling to the bus. It was interesting, and I'm hobbling up to check in. I see Corey Waltering, and I'm actually moving faster to check in than him. It was almost like a pulse of confidence because I'm like Corey Waltering sore. I guess we're all sore. So I actually <laughs> asked, I see him at the goo tent. I'm like the elite is sore as me, and the, I guess the lady at the goo tent knows him. She goes, "Oh, he was barely he was barely walking last night." I'm like, "Okay, I feel a little, feel a little bit better now about myself." <laughs> yeah, because you know, I, I feel like just knowing at least the terrain that you're going to run on, like that's so key. Oh yeah, definitely. It it, it I. I the canyons are the real deal. Um, my brother lives in, in Lake Tahoe. The, he's he's run three different bighorns, and every year he says he goes to canyons to train on that because it's just you can't really replicate the the those the heat and the ups and the downs. Um, but, yeah, it was – and I really did not realize how runnable that last section is. Now, somebody at my level, I don't know how much running I'll be doing at that point, but uh, it, it was good to, to – to know that so now that i want when i'm in the race if i get to mile 80 i know it's not going to be as grueling as those previous miles um because very runnable yeah did you notice like the trails are like nice and smooth they're not full of like sugar sand and cypress knots like we have <laughs> <laughs> well we had snow to start them at uh robinson flat you know they bust you up to robinson flat and 
I, I again with me not not being feeling well and and the they actually did have cutoffs at the aid stations. They weren't very strict about them. They had them, and I had no idea how how much that snow was going to slow me down because if you have to post hole, you're going thirty minutes <laughs> thirty minute month per mile. I mean, it's, it's you're struggling. So they, fortunately, there was not any post tolling as they for the most part you're able to run on top of the snow, but. I got out of the bus and I started walking. I didn't even stop to pee or anything. I, I'm like, I do not want to miss that first cutoff on the first day. So I just, I just started walking up the snow. I look around, I turn around. I'm like, nobody has really left yet. I'm probably 20 yards up. I'm the only one that started already. <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't want my day to be cut short because I couldn't handle the snow. But I, I was, it was kind of a pleasant surprise because I've run Bighorn when they, when they had, I was post holding snow for 10 miles um this was not like that i mean maybe it'll be worse when it melts a little bit going into the race but um yeah run, run on snow is a different animal it's something obviously we can't replicate here <laughs> yeah and ajw you know there's there's two parts of this course that you know I'm, I'm always super intrigued about and one of that one of those spots is that forest hill to the river you know how important is that section oh man it's it's hugely important so you know whether you're whether you're a front runner or a mid packer or back of the packer, you know it's a it's a place that can either give you momentum or suck your momentum, right? You're as as Matt said, it's more or less downhill. It's like thirty two hundred feet down to you know a couple hundred feet when you get to the river crossing, but it's not completely flat. You know there are parts of it where there's little uphills and little inclines and. Um, and now that they've had that fire, the first few miles are definitely exposed on it. So you you need to be you, you need to use the you need to use the fact that you're going downhill to your advantage. But you 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 could really trash your quads and then not have anything left for what Matt referred to as the runnable last 20 miles. I mean, the last 20 miles are basically just rolling like rolling smooth single track. Maybe there's a a few you know three, 400 foot climbs. But if you trash yourself on Cal Street going down to the river, especially right after you leave Forest Hill, right after you leave Forest Hill, it's like a, a thousand foot descent in two miles. And it's it's really smooth and really runnable. And so you need to be cautious and careful in there, but also you've been going for 62 miles and you've just come through these three canyons. So you might be trashed already. So that's a, that's a key part. A lot of races, I would say, not, you know, at the front of the race, there are not many people who lose the race there. But certainly, like, if people are chasing 24 hours, um, they will often learn whether they're going to make it or not on that section. I mean, that's a 16-mile section that can take people anywhere from three to six hours. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with how well you've taken care of yourself before that. Um, and... You know, there's three aid stations along the way. They're really good aid stations, but that's a that's a really good reason to run it and why they run it on the second day of training camp. You know, most runners are going to run it in the dark. It's nice to be able to run it during the daytime and see what it's like. And, you know, the other thing about it is because you, you can hear the river. Matt, you probably felt this. You can hear the river for for miles and you're like oh we're at the i can hear the river we must be coming to the river crossing any minute and it's like five more miles till you actually get to the river crossing it's it's really really mentally draining 
But Karen can probably attest that I, even though she wasn't there, she could probably tell you I didn't hear the river. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing impaired. I, I, so some of these, uh, some of these higher noises like that, I, there'll be someone next to me. Oh, you hear that? And like, no, I really don't. <laughs> even, even well, that'll so. that will come in, that will come in handy. That will come in handy on that section. Then it's it's actually better to not hear the river. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. We just won't tell you. <laughs> yeah and ajw so that other part I'm, I'm always curious to hear about you know it's that it's that final 20 miles or so you know from the green gate to the finish you know what what's so key about that section okay well i mean there's there, it's basically you, you basically run at aid station to aid station right so you go you go you go green gate to auburn lake auburn lakes trail to Corey road Corey road to pointed rocks pointed rocks to the finish. I mean, there's an aid station at Roby Point, but you're one the finish there. You really got to break up those four sections and run them. I mean, first of all, Green Gate to Auburn Lakes Trail, five miles, smooth trail, very little up and down, hardly any rocks. Um, you know, it's, uh, it winds in and out, zigs and zags in and out of the of the uh, contours of the, you know, the, the banks of the American River. After Auburn, you have a little bit of a climb, you know, got this kind of nice bobbing along across two creeks. Most of the time they have a little bit of water in them. And you have a screaming downhill descent to the Corey Road aid station, which is mile 90. That's the one that Hal Kerner and uh, the Rogue Valley runners are, are the aid station captains to. And now you're literally down level on a, on a dirt road, same place, same river you were, you know, 15 miles earlier or, you know, 12 miles earlier crossing it uh, at Rocky Chucky. You run along, you run along that road for about a mile and a half. Then you make a left-hand turn, the famous left-hand turn that Walmsley missed back in 2016. <laughs> and you've got grindy, grindy climb. You Mind you, you've been running like mostly flat. You've got a grindy climb, not very long, to Highway 49 crossing. You literally cross. They used to have an aid station now there. Now they move it up. They've moved it up uh, to up on the top of the hill, and then you hit Pointed Rocks aid station, and it's pretty much at that point you're four. It's 94.7, so you have five and a half miles from there. Beautiful screaming downhill to No Hands Bridge. Everyone's heard of No Hands Bridge. There's no, no aid station there anymore. And then you cross No Hands and have one final climb up to Roby Point, you, where you're on the pavement now of the city, of the town, and you run in from there. So I encourage people to break it up into those four sections, you know, and it can range, you know, it can range from a, you know, a 20, a, a 20 hour runner wanting to do that in four hours to a 24 hour runner wanting to do it in five, you know, 27 and a half hour to do it in six and a, a 30 hour runner to do it in seven. So if they can break it up in that way and be comfortable, you know, the tricky part for the runners that are going into the second day, uh, and it's an important kind of reason to sort of push a little bit through that, those flat parts, is it the second day, you just feel the heat a lot worse. So if you're a 29-hour finisher, you're going to finish at 10 a.m., it's already hot at 8 in the morning. And you've already had a whole day of hot. Now you're getting another day of heat. So you need to be prepared for that. And that's, frankly, that's a lot of what 
makes people, you know, you, you're, you're somewhat surprising that people can't run like that last five miles in an hour and a half and they, they, they're not able to finish where they, they make the cutoff at pointed rocks, but then miss the cutoff at the finish line. And a big reason is because of that last five mile section and how it gets hot again. Yeah, it looks like I'm looking at it looks like they give you what an hour and forty five getting the last five miles in. Yep, right they get yeah, yeah. yep. You have to you have to be you have to be out of pointed rocks at nine fifteen. Uh, and if you think about it, right, that's five and a half miles in an hour and forty five minutes. Um, I had an athlete I coached last year. She left Pointed Rocks with two minutes to spare and missed the cutoff at Roby Point. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be tough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's a good reason, by the way. So, Karen, Karen, are, mm -hmm. you're, you're pacing, right? Yes. And are you pacing, like, the whole, the whole last 38 or – no, we're breaking it up, and I think it's still a little TBD which section uh, each person is doing. I'll either do some downhill in the dark or uh, the last stretch, but is, it's, up is, to, is, it's up to our runner. Is is Lucas coming? Yeah, Lucas, Lucas is, is going to pace too. Um, my brother, who had, like the one who lives in Tahoe, who has completed, the plan is for him, he will probably be pacing me from Michigan Bluff to Rucky, Chucky, um, probably. Uh, then Karen or Lucas will be pacing me probably from Rookie Chucky to Painted Rocks, and then the other will finish me up in the last five yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's a good that's a good call then to have three. I mean, you'll you'll know like you'll know how close you are. I mean, you'll know how close you are at Forest Hill. Then you'll know what you have to do at Rookie Chucky. But you really. You really can. I think it's smart to go with three pacers, uh, and maybe maybe having your brother for the first bit is the way to go. You're still a little bit more fresh, and then having Lucas and Karen for the end. Uh, you know, uh, although you know that you want, they're going to need to be able to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Lucas. He paced. I did Black Hills one hundred last year, and he he was my standalone pacer crew. Uh, he, he, he's the only one you can kind of get the competitiveness going in me. Not that I try to beat people, but he's, he's able to say that person's been about 20 yards ahead of us for last mile. How about we pass him? And I don't know if it's anybody else. I tell him, you don't have no idea how tired I am. So for some reason with your son, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah I, I can, I can <laughs> say the same thing has happened to me when I've had my sons pace me. Yeah, yeah. I definitely I definitely want to go into the game plan, but you know, one thing that you mentioned earlier, AJW was, you know, the dark and the second day. And this is something I'm kind of curious about because, you know, I feel like when we train and all of that, we always think of the race in a daytime, you know, in a daytime perspective, you know, what's the Western States 100 course like at night in the dark? Um, well, it, the, the section between that you asked me about first between forest Hill and the river, I mean, except for that first couple of miles, that that there's, there's no shade. It's really dark, like a tunnel of so, and it's all single track, uh, and it's on. It's basically on the side of a of a canyon wall. So it's. I mean, you you definitely want to have a good light. You definitely want to make sure your pacer has a good light. I mean, you you're going through a tunnel of of trail. 
once you cross the river and you're doing that last section I was talking about, it goes in and out of the trees. Um, but I will say this, you can see the runners around you. You, you can look ahead and see headlamps a mile up and you can look behind and see headlamps a mile behind. So, I mean, you know, you know, you have company out there. Um, but, uh, but you know, in the dark, it's, um, it, it's, especially that section down to the river. It's, um, it's, it's actually one of the really nice things about all those aid stations because all those aid stations, they know pretty much everyone's coming through at night and they've got music playing and Christmas lights and food. And, you know, so they're very, you know, they, they, they're definitely little oases in that sort of dark kind of nether world of Cal street. Yeah. So obviously coming into this race, you know, you've got to have a game plan, you know, and Matt, do you have a game plan for this race? And you know, I guess, you know, AJW and I, you know, AJW <laughs> could probably help you break it down. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> This first off, let's understand that I'm playing in the world of in the world of, of Vegas. I'm playing on house money. I'm I uh, I'm very I know I'm very lucky to to be here, but that does not mean that that I'm not going to do everything I can to finish this thing. But I'm under no uh, I I know I'm going for that to, to finish. Period. So my my goal is ultimately you know. Under thirty, I'm not. I have no illusions to think I'm going to put together some kind of a silver buckle day. With that being said, uh, our the, our philosophy coming from the coaching business that I came out of is uh, is survive in advance, and is mm-hmm. I'm breaking this up very much into. I, I while I have a long term plan, I'm looking at it right now for the entire time. It's kind of like your training, right? You have your year plan, and then you break it down weekly um, into your blocks, and that's exactly what I'm doing here. It's it, I'm, I'm breaking up ultimately in four races. I've got Robinson Flat. I got to hit that. All right. Now I don't know what the snow is going to be like going up there. I just know uh, 2017. That was what the fire and ice year. That there were. Two people, I think one Floridian that I that are both that both I think one didn't even get out of Red Star, and one didn't get out of Robinson Flat. And I guess it that's it was just that slushy, it was a hot year and so on. I don't know if we're looking at that this year. Um, I know a lot more has melted recently. Uh, so ultimately, it's yeah, we're, we're, the strategy is to, is is to get there. Uh, at that point. You know, obviously, right, this year you don't see crew until Michigan. I'm sorry, you see crew at, at Robinson Flat, but then you don't see them again until Michigan Bluff. They, they're not allowing anybody on Mosquito Road on the other side of the river. With me, that does slow me down. Um, I my crew is pretty does a really good job at these races. I've, I'm not fast, but I'm fairly consistent, and I'm usually pretty quick through aid stations. And I, it's very simple. My crew has we have two. Hydration packs. I come in, we flip it out. Everything's already packed. Everything's already done. I'm out of it. Um, I have a lot of aid stations. I'm not even there for a, for a minute uh, when that's been the case. Now I don't have that. I don't have that luxury on that other side of the river this time. So I'll be have to come in, fill it up, get everything I need, and so on. Uh, but that's you know that's the card, cards were dealt. So we, we work with it from there. So Robinson Flat. While I would like to get out of there as quickly as you know as I just described. I do know that where we, Duncan Creek, right, Andy, right before that, it's about knee to waist deep, I think. Yeah, so yeah, it's I, uh, it's going to yeah. be it's going to be at least at least knee deep. Yeah. Right, so I'm switching out shoes and Robinson flat. Um, I'm not going to be able to zoom through there as quick as I usually like to, um, unless of course I'm if I'm pushing cutoffs, I just have to deal with what what I have. But 
uh, and I've got a few things going on with my feet. I, you know, we talked about in our text that uh, I have between uh, my metatarsals, they, they just get pounded and on, on technical downhill. I, and I actually contacted Tanya Olson and asked her some tips on it because after a lot of these races, that's, that's the end of it. The same thing is always what's hobbling me. It's, it's, it's this deep bruising and blister that you cannot pop. It's too deep in between the metatarsals. She gave me a very good tip that actually left him unscathed after that training camp. I just simply uh, just an oval moleskin pad directly on the ball of the foot, tincture, tincture the heck out of it so it sticks. But that also means that's one more thing I have to switch out when I go through water because it's not going to, you know, we're going to need to switch that out. So with that being said, we get through eight stations as fast as we can. That's one way to make that race a little bit faster. Um, but we will also need to take care of my needs. There's no doubt there. With me, um, I'm I'm six three, two hundred pounds, so I, I, I require some calories. Um, I I I need over three hundred per hour. I cannot. It, it, most races I have thrived in the hundred mile distance is when I I ate. I did not skip a thirty minute section of eating, and I ate anything that looked good at these stations early and. Uh, with that being said, when that when that happened, no matter what else was going on with me, I was usually in good shape. Uh, so eat early and often, and I, I got my nutrition. It's never totally dialed in, but at this point in my career, I've I've had enough trial and error. I I know what works and I know what doesn't. Um, now at the same time, you're in the canyons where it's hot. Nothing sounds good, but I do have a couple of things that I that I go to um, that I don't have to chew much. It's like those good liquid gels. You just have to swallow them. That helps me a lot in the heat. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I start taking in a lot of real food early. Hey, Robinson Flat, they'll have a sandwich for me. A Michigan Bluff, they might have a burger for me. I mean, I, I really have to stay, keep my calorie count up uh, while I'm running. When I do that, I'm usually in pretty good shape. Uh, from that point, I'm looking at – uh, again, with I will probably need to with my speed. I will probably need to have at least a headlamp at. Uh, what am I looking at here? Uh, Devil Thumb, because looking at it, the sun sets at eight thirty four, and I may not be into Michigan Bluff until after that. So I, I will probably have a headlamp. Probably not my whole setup, not my Kogala light, but I'll probably have a headlamp that I'll have to leave uh, Devil Thumb with. Um, and then, yeah, then we see everybody at Michigan Bluff and, and that's when, if I'm in there after eight, I'll have a pacer. If, if I'm having, I'm moving a little faster, then I'll wait till Michigan four still to have a pacer from there. But, um, that's it. So that's second, second half of it to force, you know, that's the first quarter of the game anyways, if you want to say is, is to Robinson flat, second quarters to Forest Hill, third quarters to the, is when I, to the river. And then, um, then fourth quarter is, is, is is you know from the river to the finish so i tend to do best when i when i break it up because it becomes quite overwhelming obviously uh so right now my first goal is getting robins and flat unscathed i think that sounds like a great plan i would uh i would agree and i've said this to a lot of people who are running in the uh kind of in that area uh where you're running and the fact that there's no crew at Duncan and Dusty this year. Um, I would I would recommend to drop drop bags at both of those places. Um, yeah. Uh, with just uh, just the usual stuff, a chain 
change of socks, some some food that you like, uh, you know, um, you know, any any sort of thing that would give you comfort. You know that yeah, obviously the aid stations are great, but if you, uh, you know, it's a long time, it's a long time to go thirty miles with no crew, and it's a real long time to go that other twenty five miles without crew. So I would certainly. Uh, I would certainly encourage you to do drop bags there. Um, what's, um, what's the plan for, before I get another recommendation, what's the plan for the river? Are, is the crew going to come down on the near side or the far side? Near side. Okay. So they'll take. Because we got, we got boats. So we're not, I'm not worrying about needing to change shoes after crossing. Got it. Yes. So they'll come down because that's easier. They can just go to driver's flat, take the shuttle down. Uh, and then if you, if you switch, you switch right there. Uh, yeah. Uh, so then um, what was the other thing that uh, another uh, section? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Just um, I would say that, that the, 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 the chance is going all the way back. You, were, you referred to that year 2017 when it, there were six, I remember volunteering that year, 16 runners didn't make the cutoff at Red Star Ridge. And wow. since, since and, and they didn't even, they'd never, they'd never seen that before because, I mean, they don't even have, they don't even have the resources to take runners out of there. Um, <laughs> now they've since, they've since extended the cutoff, so it won't, it probably won't happen, but you will want to, I mean, you will want to pay attention to where you are in relation to the cutoffs going into Red Star, going into Duncan and going into Robinson flat. Uh, those, those cutoffs are intentionally pretty tight. And I've seen just get to Robinson flat, get out of the, literally exit the aid station. The horn goes off. They sit there, they spend 10 minutes, doing their stuff just on the other side of the aid station and they get and they're going and they have no problem making them at last devil's thumb and, and michigan bluff and um devil's thumb is certainly a good place to uh have a light you know so you 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 hope hopefully you won't need it but you definitely want to make sure you have that emergency light uh so if you get to if you get to you know michigan bluff and it's it's dark. It'll only be dark the last couple of miles, probably, but it's uh, it's good day. And then, to be honest, the cutoffs get easier after. So, uh, it's 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 really designed to you know make it make it finishable. Now, how how uh, do you have any idea? Are you getting reports on how that snow is up to Robinson Flat right now? Yeah, it's it's melting fast. It's you're going to have patches. You're going to have patches of snow, but you're not going to have that long continuous like five miles of snow you had at training camp okay yeah the big the 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 one race i did that was snow was actually bighorn 2019 and i was actually racing very well that day and then but it snowed a week before and andy i know you've done bighorn you know that area that gets very swampy towards jaws yeah and uh and it was, and I, again, like I said before, I'm six three and pretty tall, and I was I was falling a few times, uh, quad deep into these post holds. So snow, it was rough, and my feet got trashed, and I got trench foot, and my race was over at Footbridge. Uh, 
that's probably one of the, my early cons- concerns. I got to pay very close attention to. Now, I, it sounds like the snow is not going to be to that level. Uh, yeah, it's gonna. But... It's not. It's not really going to be post holy. It's more going to be slushy and slippery. Um, so it'll. You know, and 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 there'll be a lot of sort of slippery slop, like snow mixed with mud. You know, and yeah. and so you still need to take care of your feet. And I mean, maybe even as early as Red Star. You know, they have. They have feet people at Red Star, so um, you might need to uh, you might need to do that. And you're absolutely right. The sooner you start paying attention to feet, the better. Oh yeah, we're the uh, the one. Yeah, once those things get wet and you start getting mat, start getting pruned feet, it's 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 a long day at that point. Um, now with <laughs> yeah. with me, it's it's very much. Uh, it's when it's cold, like my, my feet do fine in the humid, wet. I mean, I'll sweat and they'll be drenched at these races in Florida. No problems whatsoever. You put me in cold and those blood vessels constrict and that's where I struggle. Uh, so I, I, that's going to be obviously the things I already talked about, the, the eating and the hydrating early and not thinking too far ahead, thinking that the first 30 miles, unfortunately, yeah, I, unlike the elites where I'm going to pace my, not pace myself, I need to get through that 30 miles uh, before that cutoff. Uh, but I, but those feet, yeah, it, it's a big deal. I, I, again, at this point, I fairly dialed in with what works and what doesn't work. Uh, but even if I know it works, I go through Duncan Creek and I still got what four mile climb on cold, wet feet. Uh, that'll that'll be important to take care of. Yeah, and that's a that's 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 a tough climb. That climb to Robinson Flat is, uh, I mean, it's it's not super steep, but it it seems to go forever. Uh, and you and there, and you'll probably have a little bit of snow at the top of it. Um, so definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a kind of a game plan for that? How that back end of the course is going to look, or are you just going to kind of assess on the fly? <laughs> uh well, well once 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 the sun goes down and, and we talked about this on on uh on text uh part of my background is i back in 20 uh six years ago now 2017 i won a contest i had jason coop coach me um when i won a contest with his publisher so a lot of the things that i learned while well, i certainly have a background of my own but come from when i worked with jason coop at that time and and AJW also coached Karen. He also coached uh, my son Lucas. So we a lot of the things that we have learned has been from from C. There's no doubt. So one of the first things he 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 I, you know could taught me is once they start the caffeine once that sun goes down. Um, so I actually I, I I went from you know pumping caffeine in me pretty early to wait. Now I wait until the sun goes down. And then when that sun, and I keep, keep it coming. Then when that sun comes up, I, I, I taper off of it. And that has worked very well for me, these hundred miles. Um, usually I don't even crave the caffeine at that point, whatever it is with the rhythms uh, change. So I will probably start the caffeine. Well, whenever the sun starts coming down, maybe, maybe that'll be around uh, El Dorado, maybe Michigan bluff or a little after that. We'll see. Um, and then, yeah, my, the, the tentative plan is, is my brother who is, he's the fastest runner of all my pacers. He also lives in Lake Tahoe and he's, he's hundred days a year. He's got, he can handle the downhill better than anybody. Um, and he has raced this twice. So he will 
the tentative plan is for him to pace me from either Michigan Bluff or Forest Hill down to Rucky Chucky. Uh, and then a Rucky Chucky, it's either going to be Karen or Lucas uh, will pick me up at that point, and then the other will pick me up at Painted, Painted Rocks. Um, ultimately, at that point, I mean, from Forest Hill, I mean, Michigan Bluff, Forest Hill, you're, and I've, I've read this many times, you're still in the canyons, more or less. Yeah, Volcano Canyon was was uh was it's, not it's, easy yeah it's, it's still it's <laughs> volcano canyon people forget about it but it is still a canyon yeah i, I you know at the, again at the training camp i was getting the heat cramps and i was actually it was my uh i was cramping before i got to see you AJW, at michigan bluff i came in there thinking okay I, i've got to i'm gonna hydrate a lot i'm gonna see how the rest of the day how this goes but and then it, it started to feel a little better i get more fluids in me um, what's funny is maybe because I was I was so calm about it. When I talked to you. You're like, you're gonna get into Western states, like <laughs> you gotta start training. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is as good as it gets, man. <laughs> I got four weeks out here. No, maybe it was because I was so calm about it. I don't know if you thought I was I was blown it off, but uh, no, I've been I've definitely been training for Western states, even though I've been out <laughs> on the wait list. But uh, uh, I so at that point. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a canyon. I I, I I did that last section with some, and I, and I was struggling a little bit. And then there's there seems to be a decent uh, creek right before Forest Hill as well, uh, towards Bath Road. That I think I was calf deep in it. My brother thought that might be a little more dried up at this point, but that that would require another shoe change at Forest Hill because I came into Forest Hill with very wet feet. Uh, oh yeah, no. It, in Volcano Canyon, that creek will definitely have water in it. Okay. I mean, you might you might be able to hop the rocks, but they'll they'll be there will be water in it. We we had no option of hopping rocks at the training camp. It was, no, it was no, no. yeah. I was I was calf deep. Um, so that would require another shoe change at Forest Hill as well. Um, again, all these spots is where were just very important for my crew when I leave to put something in my hand to eat. <laughs> you know, we got, I always throughout the entire race, I, I put in a, between 100 and 150 calories every uh, half hour. Um, and then I, I bring in, I drink electrolytes as well. I, I alternate between tailwind and scratch. Um, but I try to alternate sweet, salty, and savory foods. Again, another thing I learned from, from Jason Coop. Um, I, I had a history, my first couple of, uh, first hundred, my first hundred K of just going all sweet. And you can't probably tell you, I started throwing goos at her. One of the, uh, one of the eight stations, I was just done with them. Uh, I think it was like the 50 K mark. He's like, no more gels. What do we do? <laughs> so he, he could got me, got me really adjusting my nutrition. He did a good job of that. So I, I have various sweet is just not difficult. I have various sweet gels that I put in me. Um, I, I mix up the salty, uh, the plant. We, Karen and I both gone to plantain chips. Those have been fantastic. Cause those have a lot of potassium in them too. Um, I do those. I do cashews and I do like a, you know, like a chicks party type, not checks mix, but a party mixed up stuff that's salty. So I, I'm not doing the same thing on every rotation, uh, but those are all, and then savory, I mix up. Uh, it's very. It's whether I'm I'm having bacon at the aid station or um, there's a couple of gels like peanut butter type gels that could kind of count as savory. That you know, like the. Uh, but sometimes if I'm starting to feel low in calories, I'll go to the very, very uh, high calorie gels. I, we've get, there's not many left that we have, but the uh, 
what are those, Karen? Those are about 250. Spring, those, uh, spring nuts, energy. Spring yeah. energy, nut, nut, the speed nut. Oh, the yeah, those, is, are, those are packed with calories, yeah. yeah. Problem yeah. is, is they don't make the non-caffeinated ones anymore. So I'll save the caffeinated for night, but we have like, a handful. We need, we need everybody to message spring energy. Yeah, we've we've used up all of our DM <laughs> to, try to, to try to bring that back. So I, I'll mix those in every few hours. That, and that does help a lot because I'll pack in a good 250 um, at that point. But it's still, I, I you know, long haul 100 is, is an interesting race. You know, we, I had last January. We have IT band blew up at mile 15 and I, I, I struggled with my, the remaining 85 miles, but I got it done. Unfortunately, I did because that's what put me in the lottery. But uh, it, it was one of those things where I guess because I was, I was, I don't know, because I was struggling with the pain and so on, I, I would forget sometimes to eat and I'd find myself, you know, it, it, once I got food back in me, it's amazing what that did to me. It, even though I was in some pain, I was, I could, I was springing up and I was a lot better. Second half of the race, I remember my, you know, Pacers, which was Karen and Lucas, it was like every time the, the beep would go off, they, they didn't have to remind me to eat. So that, that's, that's really going to be one of my biggest things is just, I have to keep calories coming. Uh, obviously, the obvious is, is hydration, uh, but I have to keep ca calories coming because that, that, that makes or breaks my race. I, if I have enough calories, I don't get nauseous. I obviously have the energy. Uh, anytime I'm nauseous, it's usually because I've skipped a couple of rotations, a rotation or two of, of eating, um, and then I'm playing catch up the rest of the day. So calories are going to be key. Yeah, Karen, you're not hearing this for the first time, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we haven't had the official crew meeting, and I'm quite sure that I don't know the course nearly as well as the other two gentlemen on this call. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've crewed and paced Matt a few times, so um, you know he he says he has a great crew, but the the truth of it is he's he's his own best crew chief. He's very organized. He, you know, he leaves very easy to follow directions. Um, and, you know, he, he leaves his, his whining to a, a very bare minimum. He's pretty mentally tough. So um, we're, we're really just privileged to be along for the ride. Yeah, because I feel like it's such a cool aspect. Not Running it is cool. It does suck sometimes, but it's cool. But, you know, the crewing aspect is it's fun. Oh, we're going to have way more fun than him that night, to be clear. Like, <laughs> yeah, way more no fun. <laughs> and, like, I learned this really early when he started running these hundreds. Like, it's, like, the best thing. Like, I get to show up on course with super fresh legs. I love running at night. So, you know, I've been on course at San Diego 100 and Javelina and now Western States. Like, it's a dream. I didn't have to enter a lottery. I didn't have to qualify in any meaningful way. So, um, yeah, it's, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. We've got it. We, you know, he mentioned all the pacers. We also have a couple of really good friends that are coming out, um, to, to enjoy the ride with us and keep us entertained and drive us around through the night. And that's, that's something, I mean, it's, it's a, a big thing about, about this race. I mean, obviously it has always been a goal, but when I re-entered ultra running after, you know, a good 12 year break, when I was younger, I was a lot more competitive and everything was a bucket list. And as I gotten older this time around, the very, I mean, one of the first things I would tell myself is like, this is a lifestyle versus a bucket list. So I, I've run 37 ultras and I can only think of two that I would not have run if um, the only two that I ran to get into Western States. Now, some of the others were qualifiers, but I would have run them anyways. I ran San Diego 100. I'm from Southern California. It was a great race. Hobbling 100, Cuyamaca 100K. Um, there are two 
two that I qualified that I, that I, that I ran, my friends were running them and uh, it wasn't my favorite course, but uh, it, I, I mean, the best way to say this is like, this is going to be an incredible experience and I'm just a vehicle for these people, for my family and a couple of our friends and my, and my brother to be able to uh, be part of it. So I, I'm just, like I said, I, I'm, I, I feel very privileged. I understand it's probably the only time, unless I qualify a second time, the only time in my life I'm going to be able to run this. Um, but it, it's going to be, I, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, regardless uh, of, you know, how difficult it is. I'm constantly tell myself that I, I will not be, it's unlikely I'm going to be back at that particular spot whenever I'm having a tough time. It's, it's enjoyable as hard as we can for through this because we're not going to come back it's very unlikely to come back until lucas qualifies and tell my right. son qualifies, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> no but even then you're you're only pacing a short part portion of it so yeah, uh, no this this is, this is I, i'm just i'm real glad i get to get to race it but i'm just as glad i get to provide this opportunity for my pacers and crew to be part of it it was so nice of you to take one for the team like that <laughs> yeah because ajw you'll be out there as well oh yeah oh yeah i've got a i've got a busy i've got a busy western states weekend i'm, I'm actually going to get up there on wednesday uh for the international uh the, the race puts on a, a big ba barbecue american style barbecue for for all the international runners down in auburn on wednesday and then i'll just be up for the festivities on thursday and friday i I'm doing, uh, I have the very glamorous job of parking cars at Robinson <laughs> Flat, which is actually a really important job because with no aid station, with no crew at uh, Duncan and Dusty, there's going to be tons mm. and tons of cars up at Robinson Flat. So they need a lot, they need a lot of hands on deck to, to maintain order up there. And then, and then I'll spend uh, most of the afternoon at Michigan Bluff, probably all the way until the last runners get through Michigan Bluff. And then I've got a really fun assignment for the middle of the night. Uh, I'm going to go down to the Highway 49 crossing where there's not, not an aid station anymore, but they still station some people there to help, uh, help runners get across the road because it's a pretty busy road. And I'm going to go down there um, in, a, in like that hour and a half period when the people that are on the hunt for the silver buckle are crossing the road. And I'm going to be the silver buckle cheerleader and just kind of uh, – <laughs> push push them along to you know let them know how much time they have to run that last six and a half miles in and uh you know keep their head up and don't be discouraged and uh you know and try and get that uh silver buckle and then i go to the finish line and and just hang out at the finish line but yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great year i'm i'm i can't wait to get up there it was it, it's it was fun to be there for memorial day camp i i saw matt there uh so yeah it's uh it's for me it's the best weekend of the year now have you ever had someone go like oh who do you think you are i can park here i <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i i i mean maybe at other races but not at western state <laughs> 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 most most i mean i think most people at western states if they don't know me they know of me and but no i mean we're it's serious i, I think we have maybe a team of about 12 people doing parking. I mean, it's because in all seriousness that the, that that's really parking and the behavior of crews is potentially the biggest uh, potential impact on the races permit. You know, people, 
you know, people parking illegally and then it, it can prevent a, a forest service fire truck from getting down a road. I mean, that would be like, that would be a no brainer permit pulled immediately, you know? So mm-hmm. we really, really have to make sure that, uh, that crews park in the right places, that they take their time doing that. They're doing that. We don't have fender benders. We don't have accidents. We don't have people going where they're not supposed to go. Uh, it's a pretty fragile environment up there. The snow's just melted. There's a lot of mud. So, I mean, while it's not a glamorous job, it's, it's actually a really important job, I think, for the sort of well-being of the race. So I, 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 I like doing it. Well, we'll be sure to abide the rules. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> we will follow your directions or any other. Just, 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 just look for the guy with the loud voice and the orange fluorescent vest. You won't miss Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, even if they don't recognize you, Andy, I think as soon as you say, well, hey, I think you should park, they go, oh, AJW. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more people. If they've ever listened to any running podcast, they'll know who you are. More, more, people, more people recognize me by my voice than anything, I think. and obviously you know before we go into some closing questions you know matt do you have any questions for hjw uh well yeah well the first one was obviously about the snow what you knew about that so the the big areas were we're we're looking at getting the feet wet um and i thought i think on thornley's most recent i think his may newsletter said they can get pretty wet before lion's ridge is there is there a water crossing around there uh, no, but it's the, the snow melt. And the, okay. There are places where basically the trail is like a, a, a creek bed. So okay. there, there are places where you just have to run through the water. Uh, they're, they're almost like bogs in the, um, in the Granite Chief Wilderness area. So, yeah, you will have wet feet before you even get to Lion Ridge. Um, and there's no drop bag there. I don't think so. No, not until Red Star. Yeah, you got to. You got to wait till Red Star. Um, I mean, if you wanted to throw a pair of socks in your in your pack, you could change socks at Lion Ridge, but yeah. uh, but probably you, your feet will just get wet, wet right again. So I'd go, I'd change at Red Star, and then change again at Duncan, and then change again at Robinson, uh, and then after Robinson, you don't have at Robinson. You're fine all the way until uh, Forest Hill. I mean, because you are going to get wet going through volcano canyon probably um but uh but yeah you're you'll it's that's the thing that while while the snow is melting and you won't be running across 20 miles of consecutive snow it's it's just going to be sloppy and wet uh it's really it's almost like you're running through a lot of puddles but you really can't get around them you can't you can't like go around them because it's all grown up on the side there's like reeds and, and weeds and trees and stuff so um you got to just embrace the wet feet for that first 16 miles. Is it very muddy? Yeah, but it's not bighorn mud. It's like, okay. sand, it's like, it's like sandy, it's like sandy mud, you know? So it is the kind of mud where you get a lot of stuff in your feet, but it's not, it's not your, it's not, you know, your feet sink down to the ankles, but right. not at all. Yeah. The bighorn mud is a different animal. Oh my God. There are, <laughs> there's, there's, I still have PTSD from that stuff. <laughs> It's like it's like running on ice, on ice, basically. It's so. Oh slippery. my god! It's... Oh my god! Yeah, oh, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> um, other questions? Other questions? Um, I don't. Oh yeah, there is that one. 
but I'm not sure if he'll need it because we have more aid sta- more uh, aid stations. This there's that there's pot of a water on one of those creeks, isn't there? Uh, down in the canyons, like water you yeah. can actually. Oh yeah, yeah, at. yeah. So so as soon as as soon as you cross the swinging bridge, so the the Deadwood Canyon, the one that climbs up to Robinson Flat or that climbs up to Devil's Thumb. You, when you cross the swinging bridge and you, you turn left, you run about 100 yards before you start climbing. Immediately to the right, there's a spring coming right out of the mountain, and you can drink that stuff. It's, I've, been, I've been drinking it for years. It's, it's delicious. It's great. And it's really nice to fill up before that two-mile climb. Yeah, but at the training camp, there was a guy yeah. filling up, and I, I guess I didn't realize that. I'm like, are you crazy, dude? <laughs> I kept going, and he obviously had read your reports. And, uh, oh, no, yeah. And, reports. And I, people, people have been drinking out, drinking out of that for years, for a okay. year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's legit spring water. It's not Florida swamp water. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's good. I mean, there's, some other, there's, some other, there's some other questionable places on the course, but that, that I can assure you, is fully drinkable. Okay. I have a question for Joseph. Oh. What 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 uh what year are you gonna run Western States? How yeah, many man. In the lottery. <laughs> you know, I think the first thing I need to do is actually finish a hundred miler. I'm one in six, and I've DNF long haul three years in a row. But but you did I, long haul, right? That's the one. <laughs> I finished it one year. Okay. And then I DNF DNF DNF. But this year, it's only the new course is only 15 minutes from my house. So, you wow. know, I'm actually training. I got a coach now, and I'm gunning for this one. Awesome! You're probably training on the course every day. <laughs> it's nice out there. I like it. It's going to be a great new course. But uh, yeah, the first goal is to uh, just start finishing some hundred miler. Well, and that's you know to, to piggyback on that. I mean, the the I want to have a quick shout out to Andy Andy Crew Matthews who. May makes these Western states uh, qualifiers possible for us Floridians for quite a while. When I re-entered the sport, that was pretty much right when Western states started to require either 100K or 100 miler to get in. Um, and at that point, Florida did not have any. And so, again, as I said before, I would have run these other races anyways, but having one that is about an hour and a half away sure was nice this year because uh, you know you're able to just drive and, and run that hundred and, and put the tickets in the lottery but it was andy matthews who worked very very hard to make it happen um and i know i'm not the first one to get into western states because of that race so shout out to andy you've done a heck of a, he's done a heck of a lot for uh ultra running in the state and his awesome wife amy who yes sorry amy, amy as well yeah, <laughs> yeah she, amy she also well. worked really hard to make it happen and they um well andy at that point they weren't together but he he was the rd of the first trail race that that i ran or that we ran in florida back in oh geez matt when would that have been like 2009 or something (laughs) maybe 2010 um so yeah great 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 race directors and human beings so we're really um it's great great that you got in on that last ticket yeah, AJW, you gonna ever come down to a, a Florida trail race? Ooh. I've been thinking about it. Uh, what do you which what, what do, which one do you recommend? Long haul. <laughs> long haul. Are yeah, you gonna do a hundred long haul? Like, you get one. Yeah. That sounds like a. I mean, I I have no interest in doing the keys. I'll tell you that. No, uh, do the keys. Come do long haul. Yeah, I think I think long haul isn't long haul in January or something. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, the weather is great. And um, you have you done Umstead? Yeah. 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 Okay. So similar vibe where there are short loops and you're in and out and you kind of run through a bajillion crew tents. So it's it's just like, even if you're not running it, it's just a, a wonderful, like ultra running party all night long in Central Florida. Everybody, you know, a lot of local people, but you know, we've had some elite runners come in and, and race it too. But it's, it's definitely a, an old school um, community vibe at Long Haul. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> worth putting on the list. <laughs> and it's and it's flat. Like you might climb like five inches <laughs> over the. <laughs> it's pancake flat. <laughs> you've always got a you've always got a spot at a skunk ape race. All uh, right, skunk ape race is good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I guess you know, kind of with that, we can we can kind of wrap it up with you know. I guess first I'll go with AJW. You know, what are those top tips for someone who's a flatlander going out to Western States? Well, I mean, I think you need to, first of all, just know you're a flatlander and, and you know, kind of just pay attention to how you feel. You know, don't, don't overexert yourself on the climbs. And be, be, be assertive but careful on the descents uh, and just pay attention to how your quads feel. So... I mean, assuming you've put in the volume, you know, uh, flatlanders, you know, hundreds of flatlanders have, have finished Western states, but it's control your effort on the uphills. Uh, don't go out of, don't go out of your, you know, comfort zone in terms of heart rate. And then don't overstride, don't overpound on the downhills so you trash your quads. I think if you do that and you have the running foundation, you know, flatlanders can, can easily finish Western states. And I actually put in a, I mean, for Floridian, I put in a decent amount of vert. I mean, it's nothing compared to what they're getting, obviously, in, in a mountainous area. But, I mean, again, like I said, it's not the same kind of vert. It's treadmill. It's going to Lake Louisa State Park where you're going up 100 feet, down 100 feet, up 100 feet, down. But, uh, I, you know, I usually was averaging around 6,000 a week um, of up and usually a little less down because the treadmill, you're not matching it. Uh but the training camp, I, was surpri I did surprisingly better well uh, with the hills. Um, but, yeah, my, my experience is usually, again, I, I have two, two – my only two DNFs are both at Bighorn. Um, I finished San Diego 100. I finished Black Hills. My experience with all of them, I, I'm a pretty good climber. Probably my height helps, I guess. Uh, the downhill is usually what where, where the issue comes in with, with the quads, the, the lack of speed, the lack of experience with the technical downhills, the quads, and so on. Where have you – where, where uh, did you get – did you drop it, Bighorn, or get timed out? Uh, well, I got timed out, but I was I was, I was not in a position the first year when I had those macerated feet to even go on. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was walking on glass basically for five miles. Maybe was it more than that, Karen? She was pacing me. It was like more than five, yeah. like 10 miles. It was, it was to, a long, to get to Foot Ridge. Um, long but track. I was having a good race. And then I timed out at 77. The second time I went in, I kind of got injured uh, five weeks before, and I and I still went, um, I didn't have the, I didn't have, you know, a very good finishing block of training. Um, the next, and then I, I DNF, I think at like 78, 77, something like that. It was past footbridge. It was after the wall. Um, 
And so, th- but I learned a lot in both of those races, especially with feet, foot management, and uh, and calories and so on. And I ended up having a pretty good race at Black Hills last year, um, without much. I mean, again, like I said, my son was the standalone crew and pacer. And, um, so sometimes, you know, sometimes those few drops can a lot. And hopefully, I can take some of those lessons into Western states. Oh yeah, definitely. And I guess Karen, you know, before. We, we close out with Matt, you know, from a pacing aspect, from a, a spouse aspect, you know, what are those final thoughts, you know, those, uh, those, uh, those thoughts coming into the Western States? Oh, please let me not screw it up for him. And <laughs> 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 any kind, I mean, I think, you know, we, we've, as a family, we have crewed Matt, you know, over the years, and there's always stories, right? Like there's always the things that like, we like, who's got that thing that we dropped at the last aid station? Like, shoot, don't tell him it's missing and we'll hope he doesn't, you know, need it. Well, that's there's what happened in San Diego with Coop, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's always, you know, like we were in San Diego, we like went the wrong way and all of a sudden we're like at the Mexican border and like, oh, this is not the aid station. So like, there's always, you know, it's kind of like, running you try to prepare as much as you possibly can and then also just know that there's probably something that's going to go sideways from your for your runner that you didn't anticipate um or you know with the crew and you know you i think just like a runner you try to prepare as much as you can and then keep a good humor about you keep keep the morale up among the team and you know try to try to pivot and, and be creative as much as possible if something does happen but that's a pretty easy guy to pace and crew for. Uh, I'm just mostly trying not to to cause any unforced errors at this point. <laughs> I mean, she does a pretty good job of tough love. So uh, San Diego 100, and that was when I had Jason Coop coaching me for, with the contest. I won. He was actually pacing and crewing too. And first off, yeah, they lost. They they lost somebody in the crew lost the uh, caffeinated tailwind and. We won't tell you which told... child was in charge of hiking. Yeah. <laughs> so Coop, Coop just told the crew, don't tell him. He won't know the difference. And he hands Karen some some uh, some caffeine pills and just if he needs them, have to take one of those. But, uh, <laughs> and in that race, there was a stretch. Again, this is where experience comes in. That was my second hundred. And right around mile 30, I had hit the wall unlike anything before. And again, it, I went a couple sessions without calories. Um, I was ready to drop, even though, you know, everybody knew I, I was blogging about it and everything like that. And, um, text Karen and she, I think, what'd you say? Like Coop said, there's not an option to get some fluids. We'll see you in a minute. <laughs> I'll see you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, but you're fine. All right. I just, guess I'm going to Just go dropping. to the next aid station. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to, we're going to take a victory lap to the next aid station. Just keep going. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Nothing's bleeding. Well, it's like, you know, you have two jobs. You have you have the wife job, but you also have the crew chief job. Yeah, yeah. He's, again, like, he, Matt's a very determined runner. He's not the guy that comes in and says, like, I want to quit. Um, I think he's he's generally pretty level-headed about these things. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just unless there's some actual, you know, permanent injury being done, it's like, okay, you've got, you know, a little – Thing that the little niggle, his favorite word. There's a little niggle that I got going on. Like, all right, tape it up. Like, let's just get you to the next stop and see how how it goes. And yeah, he did 85 miles at long haul, you know, on a semi gimpy leg. So, you know, a lot of times, what what feels like it's catastrophic isn't. 
Um, that was the worst patch of that San Diego run. And it was happened to be in the first 50 K was, he never was that low again. It was just that, that one really bad patch, um, which is good. You know, I think I, I'm a much more junior runner than Matt. And so it's, it's been a wonderful lesson. I think anybody who's like curious if they can run distance, like the best thing you can do, I think is crew and pace. Cause you observe that, right? Like you can learn not the same lesson cause you're not going through it yourself, but to watch him go from such a low point where it's like, Oh, I don't know. The wheels are coming off. We didn't tell him that, but you know, like, Oh gosh, I don't know if he's going to make it. And then to see him, you know, a few hours later, like running and feeling good, you start to realize like, Oh, it, it, it really can turn around. And so it makes it easier when you're out there on your own and also feeling low that like, Oh, this might not last all day. If I just keep pressing forward. <laughs> so Matt, you know, they're going to lie to you. Hell yeah. You look great, man. <laughs> yeah. You're so fast. We almost missed you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, 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 they do a really good job of, of, I mean, again, I, 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 I'm I'm usually really honest with them. Tell them tell them what's wrong. Tell them where where I am. And um, I I can only remember two times where yeah I, I thought I would need to drop. And most of the time mo- it was it was a San Diego one. And then part of that was my lack of experience. I didn't realize that that hole you're in. I mean I was sitting on the trail a couple of times. It was that bad because there's this one canyon at San Diego Hunter that is is probably comparable to maybe like an El Dorado. Um, and and I was bonked. I was done. Uh, but gosh, it was just amazing what happens. You know, you get a little fuel fluids in you, and you, you not you don't get sympathy from your crew that's waiting for you. You just keep moving, and then things get a little bit better. And, uh, the other the other time was was big, like the second time I did Bighorn. Like I said, I went into that race uh, slightly injured, and, and uh, I was ready to be done at Footbridge, and they got me out. And I'm really glad they did because my son paced me from Footbridge to. I don't remember it was a cal. I don't remember the name of the aid station, but it was it was another you know ten miles up. Um, so I got to have my I got to take my son up the wall and AJW. You know what the wall is? It literally is a wall there. Yeah, yeah it um, is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it it gave my son a chance to really see what what these are these are about because he was just starting to get into it. Uh, he was still in high school at the time. So you know every time they pushed the two times that I was ready to be done, they pushed me out. And actually a third time, <laughs> I mentioned one more, <laughs> and, it, and it has nothing to do with well, it has something to do with the race, but it's not during the race. Long Haul 100 last year, I have a chronic, oh, I have a lot of chronic issues. I'm 49 years old, but uh, I have a, I have a chronic peroneal issue um, that pops up kind of without warning sometimes. And more often than not, it's when I'm doing speed work. Uh, but about five weeks out before Long Haul, I started to feel it and it just wasn't getting better. Um, and I was ready to not race. We were a couple of days before and I just like, I, it's early in the year. I don't need to do it. Karen actually convinced me. She's like, listen, it's an hour and a half away get to the start and see how it goes. And of course I get to the start, see how it goes and then a whole different injury pops up, but, but, but I finished <laughs> and that, that ended up being my ticket that got me into Western States. So, you know, I, I could, I could credit my crew before they were even the crew on getting me into this race. Well, I think you, you also said accurately, like, you know, if you've got a couple children, you know, you just be like, dad, we're so proud of you. And like, you don't want to quit in front of your kids. (laughs) (laughs) If the wife card doesn't work, um, the kid card, I think is a pretty powerful one. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I have. I really have. Uh, I mean, again, it's easier said than done than when you're in the race. But I, I, I'm, I'm well aware this is likely the only time I'm actually going to be racing this race. You know, in order for me to not get to that finish line, the race will have to pull me off that course. Uh, it will not be me that will be pulling off the course, I can tell you that. Yeah, so Matt, you know, you've got the crew. You know, you'll see AJW out there at Michigan Bluff. You know, Tanya will be out there fixing some feet, you know. For the pre-Western States 100, you know, what are those final thoughts, you know, that final reflection? Yeah, uh, well, again, this is all part of the lifestyle of ultra running um, that, that, I, that myself and Karen and my family has, has um, you know, been, been a part of. And we're really grateful for it. And this is kind of like I, I tell – it's interesting. I tell my boss he's not, a, he's not an ultra runner. I try to compare – he's a golfer, and, and I try to – tell them what this compares to. I'm like, imagine if the masters only had enough pros where only about a quarter of them to fill a quarter of, of the field and the rest can be any amateur to qualify to get in. And then you get to play in the masters with these pros. And that's kind of what Western States is, you know, you got these sponsored runners, you got the top 10 that get into the previous year and so on. But then you get all these average Joe's like myself that if we can just finish a hundred, put our name in the lottery and be consistent enough with it, we're in. And there's just, there's no other sport that I can compare it to. So, again, I, I'm coming into this with, with a very, very grateful heart. And I'm, I promise everybody listening and, and for the whole Florida ultra running community, I'm going to take well advantage of it. I'm going to do everything I can to get across that finish line. Yeah, that's that's great, Matt. That's inspiring. And uh, I, think, uh, I think you're lined up for a great day and glad you're going to be able to share it with so many family and, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody out there. And thank Can't you, wait to AJW. See you, AJW. <laughs> yes. We're looking forward to seeing you. And, and thank you for all you've done for the sport. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, oh, yeah. I, I've, I, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. Listen to your current one, Cracker Brew, now, too. Uh, that's a really good one. But since we re-entered the sport, I've been hearing you on Trail Nation and all these other podcasts. And it, it's pretty darn cool that you're taking time to, to – uh, Get, get in here uh, with Florida for the second year in a row, right? Uh, in the Florida oh, yeah. Trailer oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was fun last year, too. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I really I'll, appreciate I look it. forward to seeing you guys out there for, and and, and, uh, and meeting you all in person. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good to, it'd be good to meet Karen and, and Lucas in person. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Heck, yeah, I appreciate it. This was awesome. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, all. <laughs> all right, bye-bye. Yep, have a good night. All right, thanks. All right, take care. Sure. And there we have it for that pre-Western States chat with AJW, Matt Murphy, Karen. You know, it's always awesome to hear those pre-race thoughts, those pre-race planning, you know, those types of things, especially before a race like the Western States 100. Like last year, you know, we had Luis Gomez on the chat. So it's a blessing to be able to hit it this year with Matt Murphy, Karen, and AJW. And of course, you know... A huge good luck and congratulations to Joseph Pinter, Tyler Peterson, and Zach Hanna out there at Western States. And hey, if anyone has the contact information for Joseph and Tyler, you know, I've got Zach Hanna's number. But if anyone's got contact information for those two dudes, you know, I'd love to have them on the podcast and, you know, hear all about their Western States as well. So, hey, with that, you know, good luck to all the Florida runners, all the crews, the families, you know, Tanya Olson, she'll be out Michigan Bluff fixing some feet. Marty Gardner you know a lot of y'all know him he's always out there at some florida races he's got his miles of marty podcast he'll be out there at michigan bluff as well so it's going to be an amazing weekend for the western states 100 
And hey, yeah, you know, until next time, happy trails.